Floodcast. Floodcast. Get in the arena. Joining us another episode of Flawcast. I'm Bill here with Jason. Jason, I want to thank you guys for listening. Got some really good feedback on our last several episodes. It means a lot. That's why we do it. Trying to provoke thought. Seems as if we are. Which is always fun. And hey, don't forget about following us. Go ahead with the spiel, Bill. What's the uh, what's our web address and email address on that jazz? All right. So you can find us at Flawed Inc. or Flawcast CLE. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Gab, Parlor. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. We're on Breaker, Radio Public, Anchor.fm, a bunch of other places, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget, coming up soon, we're going to be drawing the winner of the Share Like contest that we're having. So share us, like us, and uh, enter to win in 3030. Uh, was it a million? A mil. A mil. Or a, a meal. A mil. A mil. A mi- maybe a meal? No, ten mil. Ten mil. Ten mil? Ten mil is what it is. Ten mil. Like a spike and share. I mean, you don't have much time, so do it now because we are doing <laughs> that drawing soon here in 3030. Yes. I think about 12 noon on June 1st, 3030. Just send me an invite. Okay. I'll send a calendar invite out for everyone once you like and share. There you go. Perfect. That sounds great. So listen, I, real quick, I just want to start with this story I have. I've been traveling a lot. In the last 20 days, 25 days, I've been home in my own bed, eight of those at most. I got this story from my trip to Texas, to San Antonio. Your Texas stories are the best. Well, this is a pretty good one. Okay. So I go to Texas and I decide I need to get a uh, beard trim. And while I'm getting my beard trim and the next shave, I decide I'm going to uh, get my nose waxed. Huh? And my eyebrows waxed. Huh? Now, it's nice. If you've never got your nose waxed, I highly recommend it. Seriously, you can smell things you've never smelled before. So, it's they use what's called hard wax in your nose. So, what it does, you blow your nose, and then they take this wax on a stick, and they put the stick up in your nostril, and they, and they push it and your <laughs> nostril together, and dries up, gets hard in your nose after a couple minutes. And then they hold your forehead... And they grab the stick, and they yank, and pulls all the hair out. But this is what's crazy. When they yanked and pulled out of my nose, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was waiting for you to say Jimmy Hoffa came out. No, no, nothing about Jimmy Hoffa. But Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. You know, someone asked me why I've been sharing so many things about him. And it is important to remember... This is a man who has verifiable evidence of being involved in pedophilia. Being involved in? Well, I, I think if you look pedophilia up in a dictionary, it has this picture next to it. You know, he was also involved in a lot of satanic Luciferian things with a lot of really, really powerful people throughout the globe. And it's important... Not have proof that he was actually with powerful people. I mean, there are pictures there's, and flight logs and stuff. Because if there were, that would be proof. Well, I think there is. Oh, yeah, there is. If only there was a reliable news source like ABC or CBS that had reported on this stuff years ago, but had it hidden. Uh, we digress. We digress. But anyway, the, the important thing is, is that there are people that lives were ruined because of this man and because of the treachery of these other evil individuals. That is why it's important to keep this at the forefront, because justice needs to happen. Yeah. 
That's that's why sharing these memes and they're funny. Well, yeah, I'm not sharing them for the funny, although they are. Right. Um, I share them because of awareness. I sure. think awareness is important. And you know, we were talking about uh, when I just mentioned if you look up pedophilia in the dictionary, you would see Epstein. If you look up coincidences in the dictionary, you would see Hillary Clinton. So boom. This actually segues nicely to what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about a guy who. I could say, arguably, is one of the most influential people of the last hundred years. Fortunately or arguably? Arguably, unfortunately. Well, both. <laughs> right, I know. Arguably, he unfortunately was one of the most influential people in the last 100 years. His name was Saul Linsky. Uh, have you ever heard of Saul Linsky? Have I? Yes. Uh, I have, Bill. Before I mentioned it to you. No. Bef- when you mentioned it to me like three years ago was the first time okay. I heard of Saul. Okay. Um. But most recently, we've started talking about Saul. And th- this is important because this is a gentleman who, he has wrote the playbook for the modern progressive movement that we are now seeing. The playbook. The playbook. And which, oddly enough, you are now holding in your hands. He, he, Let me see here. Rules for radicals. Rules for radicals. pragmatic radical. primer. For realistic radicals. Hmm, interesting. A lot of crime starts in Chicago for some reason. I don't know why. But this is a gentleman who was working on his doctrinal thesis under the Al Capone crime syndicate. Actually, he worked hand-in-hand with Frank Nitty. And not part of the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, I'm assuming. No, not, not that Nitty. Frank Nitty, who was uh, Al Capone's right-hand man, he did his clarification. Th- yes, uh, he did his doctrinal thesis on them. This is also a gentleman who influenced very heavily two of the last presidents, Barack Hussein Obama and Hillary Clinton. Now, what, what do you mean by influence, Bill? Hillary Clinton wrote her college thesis on Saul Linsky. She was so enamored with this man, as a uh, matter of against fact, against him. I'm, I'm assuming you're saying. Oh no, she no, disagreed. No. She. She loved this guy. I, I I could say she probably loves this man more than she loved Bill Clinton. I, that's not saying much. No, but you know, you keep, keeping things in context, uh, Hillary Clinton worked hand in hand with Saul Linsky uh, in Chicago. He he was a community organizer, much like Barack Hussein Obama. He wrote this book, and there's 12 rules. Now, we're going to get into these. This is not an exhaustive study, nor is this meant to be. This is meant to just simply put an idea into your mind as to when you are seeing things, you can, you can just say, hey, wait a second. This is where we get this notion from. When you see the purposeful and deliberate ass-wiping with the U.S. Constitution that is per- that's going on right now, especially during these impeachment trials. A lot of what some inquiries, of, right? When you see this going on, you can realize that a lot of what is taking root, their tactic, um, their tactics, their methods, are based in the Alinsky the, uh, theology. I would even go to say now it's very important to take note of something. We are just discussing Jeffrey Epstein and the Satan worship and the Luciferianism. Jason, I want you to read the introduction to that book that you have in your hand there that Mr. Alinsky himself wrote. This is very important, and this is this is the the foundation for everything moving forward that you need to know about this man, but also in conjunction with his roles, where he's coming from. Okay, here we go. Lest we forget at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement to the very first radical from all our legends, mythology, and history, and who is to know where mythology leaves off and history begins, or which is which. The first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment 
and did it so effectively that at least he won his own kingdom. Lucifer. Do you know who that is? Lucifer. Lucifer. Let me think here. Um, the devil? Oh, Beelzebub, Scratch, Lord of this Age, Morning Star, Prince of Darkness. He has many, many, you know, aliases as he goes by, but essentially this book is written in dedication to him. I have a little bit, just uh, just a little bit of facts in, in regards to what we were just discussing in, in, uh, with the connection with Hillary. Uh, it says Hillary Clinton had met Alinsky in a Methodist church outing when she was a teenager. They were impressed with one another, and in late 1968, Alinsky offered Hillary Rodham a job working for him. She had insider aspirations. She wrote her senior thesis on Alinsky in 1969. There is only the fight, an analysis of the Alinsky model. As we've been discussing in a lot of our episodes, knowledge is power. We become susceptible to tyranny, and we become enslaved due to our lack of knowledge. And it's not even a lack of foresight. We live life looking backwards, pondering what's forward. History does nothing but repeat itself. And if we can take the, the lessons of history and apply them with a little logic, a little wisdom, and a little study of our own, we can try to forecast where we're going individually, culturally, and societally. And I think it's important that we discuss these things, and that's what we're going to attempt to do today. Let's just get into this. So rule number one, power is not only what you have, but what your enemy thinks you have. It says power is derived from two main sources, money and people. Have-nots must build power from flesh and blood. These are two things in which there is a plentiful supply. Government and corporations always have a difficult time appealing to people and usually do so almost exclusively with economic arguments. So, once again, power is not only what you have, but what the enemy thinks you have. Let's give this a practical example. You and I go to a bar, and that bar is having a trivia night. And the particular subject of that trivia is music history. And I want to put a wager on it. Now, you knowing me as well as I do, or as well as you do, know that, respectfully, you're not going to win that. Sure. However, let's just say the trivia is about classical music, which I really don't know anything about. You don't know that until I just confessed, right? The misnomer that I'm projecting to you is you know of my expertise, broadly speaking, of music, but you don't know when it comes to specificity where that particular expertise lies. I, so it's a ruse. Well, a ruse, or as we like to call it in the poker world, a bluff. A bluff. Or a lie. Could be. Depends on the angle. It's definitely deceitful. Correct. So... When you're playing a friendly game, if you will, although some poker games I've been in haven't necessarily been friendly, but <laughs> there, there is a difference between, you know, when you're talking about manipulation of things like money and people in regards to governments and corporations, that that is deceitful. Yeah. So you have to just take the face value that what we're discussing in this regard is manipulation. Power is not only what you have, but what your enemy thinks you have. Rule number two. Never go outside the expertise of your people. It results in confusion, fear, and retreat. Feeling secure adds to the backbone of anyone. Organizations under attack wonder why radicals don't address the real issue. This is why. They avoid things with which they have no knowledge. So once again, let's use the example of music. I'm not going to bet you anything in regards to sports. I don't know nothing about sports. But 
My expertise is music. Fair. So I'm not going to go outside of my expertise. Now, while I'm in my expertise, not only if you listen to me rant or rave about whatever... I come up not only am I cocky, but I come across as superior For to sure. you in that, and it's yeah. it's intimidating. And once again, it's manipulation. True. <clears throat> Going back to that, never go outside the expertise of your people. Number three, whenever possible, go outside the expertise of your enemy. If I sucker you into taking that bet about music trivia, outside of I would, respectfully, I'd say Guns and Roses and NWA. You you might be out of your depth a bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the good thing about that for me is I can just literally run the field with you on that because I, I know more about you than NWA Guns N' Roses. The tactics that Alinsky is referring to here is the same thing, but in a political and a economical scale. Even if you don't really have the breadth and depth that you should in an area, but the knowledge you do have exceeds that of your enemy... Whether they understand it or not, you're putting well, them at a perceived disadvantage. Yeah, because you're using Rule 1 in combined with Rule 3. Exactly. With the strengthening of Rule 2, because you're working within your expertise. Right. Even if it's not your major part of your expertise, right. you're acting like it is, knowing that they don't have any expertise in it. So you're bluffing, knowing that they don't have what it takes to come back over top of you. What, what we're seeing here... Is a, a, we're laying the foundation. I hope you're recognizing this because what we're going to get into some of these other things. And what what is important? I want people to really think about this. Look at the political landscape, knowing the foundation that the Clintons have with this gentleman, Hillary specifically. Look at the foundation of deceit and manipulation and intimidation and domination that these rules are establishing, and look at what is being perpetrated upon the American citizenry right now. As I said, Bill, it's all a coincidence. Number four, make the enemy live up to their own book of rules. Don't don't have any rules, but make them exactly. stick to the rules. Right. Sounds like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, I'm sorry, too soon? No. How that works, you continually make your enemy, or as he words it, make your opponent live up to their own moral code while you have none of your own. So you're saying rule number four says have no integrity. Yeah, pretty much. Because that's a value I want in a leader. Sense any sarcasm there? Well, I, I, I could argue that we've wanted those kind of leaders for decades. Every and time you, we have integrity in a leader, they end up dead. Yeah. It says here, if the rule is that every letter gets a reply, send 30,000 letters. You can kill them with this because no one can possibly obey their own rules. This is a serious rule. The besieged entities, a very credibility and reputation is at stake because activists catch it as lying or not living up to its accomplishments or its commitments. Uh, they continue to chip away and it causes damage. So, once again, so you're a business owner, you say anyone that wants. Or Let's you, talk you, dominoes. You know, you know what the commercials I have out? Dominoes? If um, you drop your pizza, right? They have the pizza insurance thing now. Seriously, have you seen that? No. Oh, they have pizza insurance. What? Yeah. So if you pick up your pizza and it falls over, you drop it, whatever, you just bring it back, you get another pizza. Well, now they've upped the ante, and if they mess up, they're going to make it better. So if they're late on delivery or they deliver the wrong thing, then they come back and hook you up again. 
All you gotta do is like email in. I'm sure no one's gonna take advantage of that. It's the same thing. Right. So, okay, so let's just say for the sake of argument, Papa John's catches catches wind of this, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. What they're gonna do, it, it, and this is you can probably maybe call it corporate sabotage. Right? What not they're gonna do, but what we're, this is an example. We're not yes, saying Papa not, John's is bad. Right. Little Caesars, Papa John's, whomever, Marcos, whomever Domino's direct competition. Boom. So let's just say for the sake of argument that one particular branch has to redo a thousand pizzas. Is that going to cut into their bottom line? Possibly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's say let's say every Domino's within one county loses a thousand pizzas yeah. in the same time frame. Is that going to cut into their? Bad. Okay. Let's say that every Domino's pizza within a state loses a thousand pizzas within let's say a month. How's that going to reflect? That's gonna be bad. Right. Let's just make this as practical as we can. When you make your enemy live up to their own rules while you have no rules or conduct for yourself, it completely unlevels the playing field. No, yeah. Overwhelming them. Exactly. In their own integrity. It could be it could be as if this is another hypothetical, I'm not speaking to anyone in particular, but let's say that there is a congressman, let's just say he's congressman crap from Calizuelia, like Venezuela, but like Calizuelia. And let's just say that he's leveling charges against a leader. Congressman Crap doesn't have any verifiable evidence to level against the president. However, let's just say the excuse me, the leader. Sorry. And let's just say that this particular Congressman Crap brings, I don't know, uh, let's just say a hearing, an inquiry. Inquiry. Against this leader. But then they have, what if they have information from a newspaper such as the Crap Post? See, this is where things get difficult because this particular congressman may or may not have verifiable evidence. However, what this person may or may not be doing is leveling charges and making the leader and the leaders, let's just say that side of that leader's aisle, I don't know, let's just say that rule book is called the Constitution. Let's just that's say it's the, let's just say it's the U.S. Constitution, for example. Okay, yeah, let's just be so, generic with it. Right. So, Senator, or I'm sorry, Congressman Crap is leveling charges against the leader and making the leader and that leader's representation and that leader's group follow the rule book, but that leader isn't. The other, or I'm sorry, the Congressman, Congressman Crap isn't. This is an Alisky principle that we may or may not be seeing playing out right in front of us right now. I don't know. But this is just a hypothetical to think of. Just hypothetical. Because I don't think we have a congressman named Crap. Although I can think of a few that I feel are crap. Ain't that some shift? All right, rule number five. Ridicule is man's most potent weapon. Yes, yes it is. Just read Facebook. There is no defense. (laughs) It's irrational. It's infuriating. It also works as a key pressure point to focus. I'm sorry, to force the enemy into concessions. So let's just say for the sake of argument, Jason, you and I have a disagreement. Let's say you're making some logical, practical, and maybe some even emotional validity in the points that you're leveling towards me. Okay. And I call it's you normal. And I call disagree. Absolutely. It happens every every damn day we talk. And I'm I'm used to it. I know my position in life. <laughs> Now, let's just say for the sake of argument, I get upset and I'm, you know, I'm pouting. Let's just say, for example, 
I threw four interception passes and I got so upset I, you know, kicked someone in the in the jimmy. Try to rip their head off. Try to rip their head off. Okay. For the sake of argument. I'm losing in our discourse, and I call you an ist. You're a brace ist. You're a xenophobic. You're sex ist. You're whatever. Ist. You are an ist. You right. are an ick. You are a whatever. What that does is automatically disarms you. It automatically puts you from offense to defense. Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not this. I'm not. That person at that moment. Just took the ball from you. Exactly. It's a, it's a veritable turnover. That is what happens all the time right now in this, in this current political climate. Pushing buttons. Here's the very dangerous thing. In regards to social justice, we spoke earlier. In regards to, quote unquote, hate speech. Let's just say, for example, let's say I call you a racist, which you are not. You are the furthest thing from. I detest racist and racism. I would never have anyone in my circle who is that. So I'm just saying that up front. This is purely an example. Right. Let's say you are, you are winning in this intellectual discussion that we are having, and I say, Jason, you're just a racist. It throws you off guard. It completely takes you back. There's no basis. There's no merit. There is no proof that you are a racist. But my leveling such an atrocious thing against you automatically means that I've essentially, you know, in our verbal battle of King of the Mountain, I've essentially knocked you down and I'm now on top. Well, that imagine if imagine if you did that though, and this wasn't a intellectual argument we were having here in the house between the two of us, but imagine if you leveled that against me in the media and I was someone of importance, some sort of leader. I have no choice. I can't even, even if I wanted to brush it off, like that's not going to bother me, I absolutely have to defend it. Otherwise, folks that don't do their own research, you call them sheep, they're just going to believe it. Sheeple. Sheeple. Sheeple are just going to believe it. You know, it doesn't matter if I dated or married people of other races. It doesn't matter how many people of other races I've employed or I'm friends with. Right. None of that would matter because no one's actually doing, none of the sheeple are doing any research about it. Let's say that there is a this say let's say this fictional leader that Congressman Crap is leveling these charges against. Let's say that one of these charges is a racist. There's verifiable proof from decades and decades and decades. His, the it, historical stuff that we're not going to look at anymore. Exactly. There is verifiable proof that in the past this person has not done that, has not been that, is not prone to do that. However. These charges are being leveled because the intellectual argument is being lost. Man, I'm so glad nothing like that's going on. Well, it once again, ain't that some shift? Ain't that some shift? Rule number six. A good tactic is one your people enjoy. Let's just say someone really gets off on calling people ists or phobics or icks or whatever that is. Let's just let's just say for the sake of argument that there's someone in the organization that loves rule number five. Or maybe maybe they love rule number four where they they make their opponent, they make their enemy live up to their own standards. Maybe that oh I love that, right? There is so much power within them. We see a lot of these three letter media outlets perpetuate that. Yeah this this ties pretty closely into rule number three. Exactly. So I think now you're starting to kind of see where it's important to understand the basis and where these things are coming from. Because it's all made up. It's all evil. Essentially, these are rooted in e evil practices, evil principles. People that... Lying, integrity, not, not having integrity. 
calling people things to get them fired up, that's evil. Let me ask our audience, does that come from a place of light? Does that come from a place of goodness? Uh, let me speak for him. No. Rule number seven, a tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag. This is important to keep in mind. Just think about this year alone. How many... We're in the fictional kind sure. of crap. Exactly. person. Right. So let's just say that this leader was in cahoots with, I don't know, another foreign power. That Alleged. A lot of people don't like. Right. Allegedly was in cahoots That's with a foreign power. So let's say that all these things are going on, but there's other little things that, you know, say there's a guy named, uh, like Dave Chappelle said, Juicy Smollett, or, you know, let's say there's mass shootings in different places, or let's say any tactic, anything that goes on for too long, or drags on for too long, is a drag. So what that means is that essentially people, I'm sorry, we have the memory span of a goldfish. Wow. As far as we look now, let me rephrase that. We love instant gratification. That's a we want the new shiny object. We have memory. It's just nice to have the new shiny object. I mean, I would say memory by and large are is are short, right? Like we want the new shiny thing because we don't realize or we don't remember the joy that the thing that we had before brought us. Sure. So when things drag on and drag on and drag on, it's like, oh, that sucks. Forget that. We got we to gotta have something new. We got to have a new controversy. We, gotta, we have to have something new to stir the pot with. We continually see that. The mainstream media propagates that all the time. I mean, I'm sure by the time this episode airs, there's already going to be three or four other scandals. They're working on them. Well, in regards to, you know, just we've just spoken about so many scandals. I mean, just in this episode alone, the Jeffrey Epstein Maybe you'd say the Clinton body count. We'd say the the fight with the the Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, just different things like that. I mean, right there is three that we've just been discussing in the course of one episode. Not even to mention the alleged impeachments. Yeah, the that inquiry are that might. Excuse be me, on. the inquiry. I'm sorry. Yes, you're, you're right. The the inquiry that's going on. You have to keep things. You got to keep it moving. Rule number nine: Keep the pressure on. Never let it up. Rule number eight. Rule number nine. They work in tandem. So not only do you have to keep things constantly moving, you stop. You don't want things to become a drag, but you have to keep things going. Keep trying new things to keep the opposition off balance. As the opposition masters one approach, hit them from the flank with something new. Attack, attack, attack from all sides, never giving the reeling organization a chance to rest, regroup, or recover and re-strategize. Complete bombardment all the time. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if you're racist. It doesn't matter if you're you know you're, you're leveling these charges against somebody. It doesn't matter if you are making these people live up to their own standards. It doesn't matter you know whatever. Right. Well, not just that, but also by the way, when you're coming from the front, go ahead and send some troops around back. All right. So not just complete bombardment, but from all sides, from the blind sides, anything you can to keep them off balance. That's what you're trying to do. Exactly. Rule number nine, the threat is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. That, I would say, is a universal truth. I would say that deals a lot with anxiety. However, when you are using these kind of terror tactics against a political... Fear-mongering? Fear mo- yeah. Perfect. Once again, let's use that example of me calling you a racist. Anybody that knows you, even vaguely, knows that is not true. No. Right? However... 
the you are automatically put back. You are automatically threatened because the thought of somebody actually believing that. That'd be devastating. To me. Exactly. Exactly. So many people truly thought that about me. Literally, that would be devastating to me. Right. It would break your heart. Very much so. Right. Now, now think about think about that because the thought of somebody thinking you're a racist versus the truth of that. I mean, they're two different universes. Yeah. But it's it's the the fact that something is being leveled against you, that you are being alleged with something. That is what the real terror is. Yeah. The reality is I'm not. So the reality isn't the terrifying piece. It's the it's the thought of being looked at that way. It's really crazy when you think about it. It is. All right, rule number 10. If you push a negative hard enough, it will push through and become a positive. Violence from the other side can win the public to your side because the sympathizes with the underdog. Unions use this tactic. Peaceful, albeit loud, demonstrations during the heyday of unions in the early to mid-20th centuries incurred management's wrath, often in the form of violence, then eventually brought public sympathy to their side. I would word it this way, okay? Let me read that rule again. If you push a negative hard enough, it will push through to become a positive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote a, fa- a president. This, this man said this phrase dozens and dozens of times. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Now, that particular individual said that not just about one particular intern while this particular president was in the White House, but this particular individual when he was governor, when he held other public offices, said this very same phrase. There's a a concept, and it's a very simple concept that these people apply. It's called deny, deny, deny. If you deny it long enough, it just isn't true. And that's, once again, if you push a negative hard enough it'll push through and and it will become positive yeah i I think it's also stating that and this i think ties in with some other rules and when you look at all these things if you keep calling them names or keep bombarding them all this you're going to get them to the point you know if you if you if if as if you're getting beat up right you throw four interceptions in the game and you're getting destroyed and as you get tackled you try to rip the guy's head off because you're super frustrated and this dude attacks you back but attacks you harder he retaliates stronger than you attacked that that negative that you just did has become a positive because all anyone sees it's always that second person the one who finishes it always ends up the freaking person in trouble my dad told me that growing up right and once again like my dad always told me don't better not start a fight but if you do finish no no i hear you right, right. you're right. talking about fights but i'm just saying and I, and not even talking about fights like when uh you're with your buddies, and your buddies like, "Come on, we're gonna do something bad," and and they do it, and you're there, and then you're like, "Cool, cool," and then you do it, you get caught, your buddy gets right. Well, there's a movie about it, Al Pacino, Son of a Woman, right? That yeah. movie's about that. Yeah, the coward kids that he's protecting, who didn't get caught. Right. When the good kid gets in trouble, that's what we're talking about. Wow. I bet that's a that's one of the yeah. That's another way to look at that. That no, it's good. Not only just deny it, but. Freaking! If you if you throw a, a blow under the table that no one sees, and that person hits you back, hey man, your negative that you just did turned into a positive for you because the positive is that's what's getting publicized. That's what everyone's right, and it's a matter of once you like you just said, it's a matter of perception. That's right. Perception is reality. Rule number eleven: the price of a successful attack is a constructive alternative. Say it one more time: the price of a successful attack is a constructive alternative. 
Never let the enemy score points because you're caught without a solution to the problem. Saw, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Activist organizations have an agenda, and their strategy is to hold a place at the table to be given a forum to wield their power so they have a compromise solution. Okay, It's weird because what that reminds me of, like as you're reading that, it reminds me of uh, this fake made-up situation. With Congressman Crap. Well, on another past leader um, and some other congresspeople who... Let's just say they made something up or made a big deal about something. Their leader, the leader of the entire country that we're talking about here. And that leader says, ah, I didn't do anything wrong. And then some things come out about how these these four people that made this all up have children who are actually, they're, they're doing the, the wrong thing, right? And they're, they get busted pretty much doing this, but they're not going to give in. Like, for some reason, they just keep pushing the other agenda, and it just goes away somehow. Also, so it coincides this way. So once again, let's go back to that example where you and I are having an intellectual discussion, and you're winning, and I call you a racist. Okay. So the price of a successful attack against me is a constructive alternative. You are beating me in our verbal chess game, if you will. The price I have to pay is a constructive alternative. That's where you, like the example you just gave, right? that's where that comes in. And, and that goes back to even rule number 10. Let's just say that part of what Congressman Crap is leveling against the leader are actually the crimes of Congressman Crap's colleagues. But they're projecting that upon the leader. The leader's completely innocent, his team is completely innocent, and he actually he wasn't even in a position to uh, have that kind of a power to wield at the time said events happened. However, since Congressman Crap and his uh, and his colleagues have essentially been caught with their pants down, right, there was an attack that was leveled against them, their constructive alternative is to essentially accuse their enemy, their opponent, of what they actually did themselves. Right, and... What they should do, like if, if they were smart, right, if they read this book, they would probably do like an impeachment inquiry or something like that. Or just an inquiry. Or just an inquiry. Right. When they do the inquiry, they're projecting well, those like, problems onto the person reporting about. Right. Like you said, percep- perception is reality. Yes. Yes, it is. And the fu- So let's just, let's just forecast a little. Let's gameplay this. So let's say the thought of the leader being brought into congressional hearings... That's a powerful image. Let's take that a step further. Let's say the the thought of the leader being carried away in handcuffs. That's an even more damning. Whether the you know the basis for impeachable offense or a punishable offense is there or not, it doesn't matter. It's all about the constructive alternative. What's twelve? Rule twelve: pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. So once again, let's just say we have a leader who has won all kinds of awards all through his life, has been on record as being a very helpful, positive person. Not not like, you know, he's not guy. He's not, you know, like Gandhi or Mother Teresa or anything like that. But let's just say, generally speaking, the guy wasn't the scumbag that people want him to be. And, and this symbolizes not just like one particular person. This is also symbolized like, a figurehead. Part of the reason why the FBI were targeting NWA in the late 80s is because they were 
targeting, they, they were pioneering a new movement. Now, there were other people that were doing similar things, Ice T, King T, Too Short, like people like that. Right. But NWA had captured the zeitgeist of that moment. So that's why they were uh, they were the target. They were frozen. They uh, Then it, they personalized it and they polarized it in many ways. Now, the 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 risk with that it's what it's like what Obi Wan said this Darth Vader at the end of Star Wars the real one not that Episode Four crap like right. Star Wars he said if you strike me down now I will become more powerful than I ever could have been if you are leveling these charges the risk for you is turning that person into a martyr now let's just say that leader we're discussing right now let's just say his approval ratings have been the highest that any leaders has ever been, the more that these attacks are coming. Well, that puts you in a bad position. It, it means that your targeting and your polarizing aren't really working as effectively as you'd hope. Just, you know, being general with these made-up fictional stories. You know, this isn't, we're not really talking about a specific no. leader or, or government or... Well, you know, you we're talking about these rules, and it's important to have something context. to... Exactly. We, you need context. And that's that's all we're doing. We're just providing context to you. These are all hypothetical. These are all. No... All we're trying to do is get you to think for yourself, not be a sheeple. Think for yourself. Want to give you some information, give you some data, something to think about. Get the book, read it, understand it, look at what's going on in this country. It's well, interesting. I, and I would even say, as somebody who's read the book a couple different times, it's infuriating. Like every time I've read it. I chuck the damn thing across the wall because it's just that infuriating. But if you do read it, understand that it's important to know what is coming against them. I've said it many times when I use terms like evil or I use terms like tyranny, I don't say that in jest. I really mean that. And there's three things you always have to look out for. This is a digress, but this will be good. There's three things you have to look out for. DIM. D-I-M. Domination, intimidation, and manipulation. Whenever people are trying to dominate people, they're trying to intimidate people, they're trying to manipulate people, you have to realize at that point that the powers of good or the the powers of light are not at play there. You're, you're talking about subversive, evil, destructive forces. Trying to dominate somebody, trying to intimidate somebody, trying to manipulate somebody are not powers for constructiveness in society. And all of these rules, all 12 of them, have to do with dominating others, intimidating others, manipulating others. For power. For power, for greed, right. whatever whatever the end result is, if you don't know who your enemy is and you don't know who their or what their tactics are, you can't effectively wage a war. It's, it's like, say that you're the Cleveland Browns and you're going to be squaring off against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, if you're the head coach, you're going to watch reels on the the Steelers. You're going to watch how they play their their or how they run their offense, how they run their defense. You know, you're going to, you're going to study this. You're going to understand that. You're going to understand how, uh, or even like boxing. Like that's I'm a little more familiar with boxing. Like you're you're going to understand that when the guy you're squaring off with in the ring, when, when if they if they drop their right shoulder a little bit, that's when they're going to throw their left hook. Or you know whatever the case may be, you have to understand what your opponent does so you can fight. I don't want to say a dirty war, but you can be competitive. And right now, where we're at in this hour of history, we, we are in a we are well, yeah, fighting. But but that's what this that's what this whole idea is in this these these twelve rules, right? The whole idea of that is that uh, you don't have any film to study because you, you there's rules in a boxing match, right, Bill? Usually. So you and I are going to a boxing match, and, and there's rules. Right. I'm not saying that sometimes you don't throw a little blow, things like that, but there's rules, mm -hmm. right? 
Well, in this particular boxing match, there's rules, and the ref is going to keep you following the rules. Right. But I can do anything I want. Sure. So it's a boxing match, but I kick you in the nuts. Boxing match, but I, you know, jump kick you in the face. You sure. can't do that to me. Exactly. Okay, but I can do it too. Then after I do it, I can say, see what a wimpy is, see how see how weak he is. Right. Yeah. That, that's what this these twelve rules is crap. That's what that is. It's sure. it's it's Lucifer, man. It's everything against what anyone who is spiritual anyway. I would even say just a good person. Yeah. Just decent, you know. But now that we've discussed these, hopefully. You can begin to see and, and recognize moving forward, you know, it's like being able to smell a fart in a car. Like, oh, wait, there's something really rotten going on here. Yeah. You can begin to see, okay, yeah, now. Once you know what these rules are, once we talk through them, exactly. it's, it's clear. I, I think it's clear. That's why, again, read the rules, look at them, do a little bit of research, uh, right. listen to this podcast again, and look what's going on today. I'll, it's and scary. I'll tell you, And I'll tell you a really good resource. A gentleman's name is Dinesh D'Souza. He made a, a film three-ish years ago called Hillary's America. Another great resource to find out more about Saul Linsky is Dr. Ben Carson was invited, I believe it was a 2014 or 2015 prayer breakfast, and he began to bring Saul Linsky's tactics to the forefront. And, you know, President Obama at, at the time, he was there. Barack Hussein Obama was there. And that's when there was a rift between the two. So Alinsky started to come back into the limelight because of these people who were using their tactics, i.e. President Obama, i.e. Hillary Clinton, who literally studied at the feet of Alinsky. And a gentleman such as Dr. Ben Carson brought these to the forefront. Now there's been a, a resurgence, if you will, of the treachery that has been very plainly laid out. These are very, these are 12 pragmatic, easy things to understand. But he brought light to them, which I'm hoping in some small way we can, because what we are talking about isn't necessarily happening in the Ivy Halls of greatness and amongst the leadership of our country or even the high lofty leaders of the world. It's happening on Main Street. It's happening, our you know, holidays are soon upon us. It's going to be happening in our household. It's going to be happening in our workplace. And it's important to recognize these things, not to be combatant for the sake of being combatant, not to manipulate or to dominate or to intimidate the enemy in the way that they're doing that to you, but that's so you can have a level lane of playing ground and that you're Exactly. Awareness. Exactly. Uh, so, once again, the book is called Rules for Radicals, Saul Linsky. Another great resource called Hillary's America, Dinesh D'Souza. Look up the speech that Dr. Ben Carson gave at the prayer breakfast with uh, Barack Hussein Obama as president at the time. It's 2014 to 2015, I believe. But uh, the other thing you're going to definitely want to do is subscribe, follow, like, share on all of our platforms, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Radio Public. You know, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Gab, Parlor, Flawed Inc., Flawedcast CLE, all that. Our email, flawedincle at gmail.com. Hit us up. If you disagree, awesome. Let's talk. If you need help, like we talked about in our last couple episodes, hit us up also. Uh, you know, we care. We definitely care. Really appreciate you listening. Great, uh, great conversation they built. Absolutely, man. Podcast, baby. Get in the arena. Get in the arena. Don't, don't just listen. Get in the arena. It's time for all of us to get in the arena. Stand up for what we believe in and um, be aware. So when we say get in the arena, we mean wake up, educate yourself. Knowledge is power. That's right. 
think about it, watch what's going on, talk about it, make people aware, help them understand. There's too many sheeple out there. People don't want to do the research to understand what's happening. We need, that's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to put some stuff out there so you can understand it, so that you can see it, so you can be educated on it, think about it. That's all. Word. Out.